Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome to Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinock, and this week we have a very interesting case to talk about, a case involving prayer by county commissioners, government officials engaging in prayer before a public meeting. Our guest is attorney Kenneth Klukowski, senior counsel with First Liberty Institute. Welcome to Freedom's Rain, Ken. Thank you, Alan. Now, did, did First Liberty, did you guys uh, represent one of the parties in this case? Or did you just do an amicus brief? Or? We did. No, we actually came on in the lead on the appeal. And that was uh, after the county won in U.S. District Court, in the federal trial court. It went on appeal, and it was late in that appeal. It was after a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit ruled against the county. That's when we stepped in and took it to a, what's called a full en banc hearing in front of all 15 judges on the Sixth Circuit. Fifteen judges. Okay, so set the stage. What exactly is the practice that is being challenged in this case? In this case, it is there are nine county commissioners, uh, and at their monthly board meetings, uh, they operate on an even rotation all the way that each of the nine, when their turn comes up, has the option to pray if they so choose. They don't have to. And if they do pray, to just pray uh, according to their own individual faith, according to what their understanding is for prayer. The prayers have to do with broad, generic themes, uh, asking for wisdom to, to govern well, asking for protection for firefighters and police officers and for those protecting our nations overseas, and also asking for uh, just for blessing for the people of the county and that the commissioners would uh, would make good decisions for them. So it's a brief, short prayer made in an even rotation among the nine elected commissioners. And um, so who is it who is challenging this practice? Uh, the, the case was there's a local self-described pagan activist who has sued the county more than a half dozen times, always representing himself. He doesn't hire a lawyer to do it. He makes his own case. Uh, something of a citizen activist, and obviously coming from a very distinct political and religious viewpoint. And, and so he had sued them in federal district court, saying that their practice of having invocations violates the U.S. Constitution's Establishment Clause, that the government shall not uh, establish a religion, despite the fact that this practice, what is called legislative prayer, has been at the U.S. Supreme Court twice most recently in 2014, and has been upheld both times by the nation's highest court as consistent with the Constitution's Establishment Clause. Well, in fairness, what the court has upheld is legislative prayer by members of the community, pastors, chaplains, what have you, coming in and praying. Um, Have there been any cases where prayer by government officials has been considered by the courts. In fact, yes, because in fact, that was the first one. In 1983, in the case Marsh versus Chamber, the prayer giver was a salaried chaplain employed by the Nebraska state legislature. He was a full-time employee of the state, 
uh, and he was the sole prayer giver for 16 years. Uh, and it was uh, a legislator in that state house who had sued, saying that this government officer offering prayers was unconstitutional. And that is what the Supreme Court upheld in its 1983 case. So the lower court ruled in favor of the prayer. Correct. But then on appeal, the initial panel struck it down, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, it was, uh, there are 15 judges on that court. Uh, he, uh, the, the plaintiff in that case, uh, happened to, uh, get two of the more liberal judges, uh, on the court. Uh, it, it's a, it's a right of center court. He happened to, to get a good draw on the panel, and so he won, uh, in a two to one vote. And you're obviously, uh, somewhat optimistic with the 15 judge panel that, uh, you may do better. Uh, yes, we certainly are. Like, for example, we had a parallel case in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit that covers the mid-Atlantic states. And there we uh, we won a case uh, with the identical issue. And that is, if the only difference between this prayer practice and ones that the Supreme Court has upheld twice that is that the prayer givers here happen to be not just government officials, because, again, that was the case in the 1983 case, but specifically government officials who are elected lawmakers, where that's the only distinction which has nothing to do with the Supreme Court's analysis as to what the constitutional standard is. When we got before a good panel in the Fourth Circuit back uh, back a number of months ago, we prevailed in that case. Legal proceedings are still ongoing in that case, but still, it's uh, between those judges ruling in that direction and the fact that the dissenting judge in this case, among the three-judge panel, the dissenting judge in that case was hardly any any right wing firebrand. He was uh, more of a moderate judge, but uh, but looking at it, he said this is completely consistent with what the Supreme Court has twice described as the constitutional line. And so, yes, we are optimistic that that's the case. And in fact, let me tell you, Alan, what the Supreme Court says the standard is is they say there are two aspects that a court must look at. First of all, the establishment clause is violated by anything that was regarded as an official government adoption of a state religion in 1791. Things that it explained like mandatory church attendance, mandatory taxes to pay for church activities, a legal penalty, legal punishment like imprisonment for people who teach a religious doctrine that is contrary to the state's preferred teaching. They said, so first of all, anything that violates that historical standard would be unconstitutional. And they say that second, anything that was historically accepted, but that nonetheless coerces a person to violate their conscience by participating in a religious activity, that too would be unconstitutional. So long as it is consistent with history, and no one is being coerced by the government to violate their conscience, the Establishment Clause is satisfied. So in Mr. Bormuth's case, you described him as a pagan. Yes. Um, did he make, did he... He describes himself as a pagan. Fair enough. Did he raise a coercion claim that when he would come, is it the county commissioner's board of, uh, like, board of supervisors meeting? Um, but that... it, his argument was a bit less refined. In fact, even though I'm not sure he realized it, again, this is a non-lawyer argument his own case. He was making the case that any prayers were unconstitutional. Well, that's a non-starter right. for any federal court short of the Supreme Court, because they have to follow the Supreme Court. 
So he was making a number of comments. He said this violated the religious test clause of the Constitution, which doesn't even apply at the state level. That just says that the federal government can't deny you a job with the federal government because of your religion. Uh, so he said it violated the Treaty of Tripoli uh, that the U.S. entered into in 1700. He had a number of arguments that would be regarded as, with all due respect, he's a pleasant gentleman, as outlandish in, in a federal court or just one that's a non-starter. And in the mix of this broad array of arguments, yes, he said, by the way, I'm also coerced. So it's uh, someone who's as outspoken as Mr. Bormuth and who has sued the county more than a half dozen times is uh it doesn't look like he's coerced very easily, put it that way. Well, I understood, though, that the practice was to invite people to stand and to bow their heads in prayer. That's which, correct. from a Christian context, makes perfect sense. That's, you know, that's showing respect. Which also happened, Alan, in the case that the Supreme Court upheld. Uh, and that was one of the grounds, that was one of the reasons the plaintiffs in that earlier lawsuit, that this is unconstitutional, because the clergy ask us to, to stand and please pray with them. Uh, and it's, or I'm sorry, it's, 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 they were already standing because the Pledge of Allegiance was offered in that other case. So that is a distinction, inviting people to stand. But in the previous case, the prayer givers would routinely say, please pray with me, or let us pray, or that sort of language, which the Supreme Court held, and uh, the district court in this case held, it's just a matter of, it's like perfunctory language. It's an invitation for people to join, but no reasonable person considers that a government command that if you refuse to do so, the government's going to come after you for it. Well, I think the concern that, you know, we've seen in the discussions, for example, in the town of Greece case that was before the Supreme Court, is that when you're dealing, you know, local government body like this is very different from the state legislature in Nebraska yeah. in, in Marsh, yeah. and people are coming there to get permits for, you know, their businesses right. or, you know, to conduct business and they're petitioning. And if they don't cooperate with the prayer, then they're concerned that their request is not going to be responded to favorably. So there is potentially... And Alan, yeah. and Alan, that is precisely the argument that was made in 2014. The Supreme Court heard it and they rejected it. Okay. That was a central argument. Every case, every argument, Alan, made in the Jackson County case was either explicitly made or implicitly made in the Supreme Court's 2014 Town of Greece case. The dissent in Town of Greece adopted each of those arguments, each of those points. The dissent was saying this is unconstitutional because, and then it was all of the things that you just listed. It was made by the plaintiffs in Town of Greece. It was adopted by the dissent in Town of Greece, and it was explicitly rejected by the Supreme Court majority in Town of Greece. So in order to really understand the religious liberty principles here, I think what we need to do, because, you know, this show is generally heard on Christian radio. And for Christians, you know, the notion of public prayer is we're very comfortable with that. You know, we pray privately, we pray publicly, and I think there's generally a favorable receptivity to to having public expressions of prayer in government settings and in public settings of all kinds. My question is, how receptive would we be if the prayers were not Christian? If 
For example, if, uh, you know, this is in Michigan, supposing instead of uh, Jackson County, this was in Dearborn, Michigan, with its significant Muslim population, and supposing half of the board members were Muslim and the prayers were mixed, some Christian and some Muslim, would we feel the same way about it? Actually, I'll do you one better. Right next to Dearborn is the city of Hamtrank, and there it is Muslim-majority, and they have elected a Muslim-majority to the city government. So it is actually a Muslim-majority-run city. Uh, if Hamtrank were to offer Muslim prayers uh, under the Constitution, that's perfectly acceptable. In fact, if you're going to have a prayer practice, in this case, that reflects majority sentiment, but then it's whatever the voters choose. The Constitution is not offended unless the government, by official action, is engaging in a historical adoption of a state religion, or it is coercing a person to participate in some religious activity that they disagree with. Observing a prayer or being offended by a prayer that you disagree with or that is inconsistent with your own faith does not violate the Establishment Clause. And the Supreme Court dealt with this in Town of Greece as well, and that is that in a democratic republic, uh, grown citizens can be expected to hear all sorts of stuff, perhaps even on a daily basis, that they disagree with. All of that is left to the democratic process. It's left to a free society. The line that the Constitution draws is the only one that courts need to be concerned about. In here, the Constitution looks only to whether it is a historical establishment or whether it is coercing non-believers to do something that violates their conscience. Well, that has been very well and clearly stated. We're out of time, Ken. Our guest today, Attorney Ken Kuklowski, Senior Counsel with the First Liberty Institute. We've been discussing a school prayer case out of Jackson County, Michigan. We will certainly want to stay tuned and see the outcome of this one and the Fourth Circuit case that you mentioned. Thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. God bless. God bless you, too. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Till next week, let freedom ring.